1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The phone
3: is on. That's the second time it's gone on. They never go home. They never go home. They never got home, though
2: second captain's world service it is not war and death and famine it's not that at all it's the opposite of that it's to persuade there's world outside of that that's why sport's important
4: giles dépossédé du ballon pour <coughs> platini peut-être le but oui une faute de giles <coughs>
1: Regarde indeed. We've had to regarde a lot of mishaps for our national football team in Paris over the years.
3: God, Gier Henry has controlled the ball basketball style.
1: And this time wait for a if we're gonna play a French team that has played in the last two World Cup finals, okay. haven't lost a home qualifier for ten years. Are currently it's okay, they've lost one or two friendlies, I presume. Maybe. Maybe (laughs)
4: maybe a Nations League. Yeah, here and there.
1: They're currently rampaging through this group with four wins from four, nine goals scored and none conceded. We're coming to this fixture with a memory fresh of arguably our most dispiriting defeat of the entire Stephen Kenny reign. I would agree with that, I think. In Athens. And we're travelling without our new superstar striker just at the moment he makes the entire footballing world sit up and take notice. Oh, and we're also missing our most experienced campaigner, Seamus Coleman, who successfully stifled (sighs) the great Kylian Mbappe in the return fixture at the Viva Stadium. Am I enticing you to listen to our big match preview pod yet?
4: Everybody? Huh? <laughs> it's the audio equivalent of doom scrolling <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And you know we all indulge in a bit of that. We so. invite you to sign
1: up to the World Service today to doom scroll along with us in audio form. We had Ken in Paris Richie in studio but nobody trying to dress this match up as something it isn't.
5: The last time I was on there you joked Murph that I'm only brought in for kind of serious yeah. grim yeah, like the the, the the darker stuff and I think Chatting about the Ireland team is still in that now in does that category. In that yeah. yeah, so we're continuing <laughs> with that.
1: Ken has telling me not to think too much about the Evan Ferguson injury. It's gone now. Focus on what happens next. But I was off yesterday, so I haven't had a chance to wallow on it. Oh. This is such a kick in the teeth. Isn't I,
5: it? I was I was on the boat on Saturday, coming from Hollyhead to Dublin, and the Brighton game was on TV. Where where I was sitting in the boat, the volume was down on the telly, but the volume was high in my son so <laughs> I had to kind of do <laughs> lap, laps of the thing with him in his pram trying to settle him so I couldn't properly watch the game so, so I scored the first one and by the time I got home I missed the end of the game and just saw the update on my phone and I swear to God I don't think I I, I have no memory of feeling this do you know what, like a bolt of excitement yeah. or something I, I just it's so long since I've got that so I really he's got a hat trick and I jumped and my wife said to me what happened Evan Ferguson squad of course she doesn't know who Evan Ferguson is <laughs> so it was completely lost on her but it was like this thing of wow this this yeah. is and you can run as far and as high and as wide with your excitement with this one because yeah, he does look the real deal because
4: it, it's kind of a double excitement when, mm. it's, uh, when it's a really young player doing excitement because you can revel in the moment and then you can revel you can throw it forward to 15 years of watching this guy so it it hits mm-hmm. it hits twice yeah. when it's a teenager when it's an 18 year old doing something as brilliant as that that's why it's so exciting that's why it is one of the most thrilling things I've seen in our sport in years, what happened last Saturday.
5: It is, and particularly in international football, how often have we said that sometimes it's just down to having a game changer. Mm. Uh, Does a team have the player, and Gareth Bale is the obvious example, but something like that. A team that's not a tier one team, but they've somebody who's reliable in the big moments and consistent and a Champions League hero, and they'll deliver more than most. And you think, this looks like that. Mm. And in a position we're crying out for and you just think right well let's get really excited let's get really optimistic and put 15 years on it now we're, this is what yeah, we're going to yeah. feel for 15 years and those hat tricks may appear now in an Ireland jersey I won't say the sky's the limit but the, the ceiling is now kind of getting higher and higher yeah.
4: all those draws Mm. you know <laughs> <laughs> all those draws where you can say well if we've just taken our chances
5: but again it, it, it so much of international football is that it's like how, yeah. how do you go from the one all to do the consistent this wins is,
4: this is actually a lot of fun if we just presume that Ferguson is actually yes. playing you know
5: oh oh, oh like, look at me going, at some point I have to remind them that
1: <laughs> he's, he's not playing he's not, he's not <laughs> when really do cool. I do that I my, one of the narratives has been But you, start, you say narratives anytime anyone uses the word narrative it means one of the pieces of bullshit that's out there yeah yeah this actually isn't a lie. It, there's obviously a challenge in incorporating him into the Ireland team anyway. It's very different. So everybody's system seems to be very different to what the zerbi is playing. And, you know, there's an idea that he, he isn't... hasn't quite... He's not quite as at home yet in international football as he... Maybe is at Brighton. But he still scored two goals and had an assist in his first six games, which is... Phenomenal for somebody for an eighteen-year-old who's just settling in. It's just, oh, it all makes me so very sad, Richard. And, and like the the
5: obvious video. comparison is is like to remember what we felt like when Robbie was doing this. Yeah, um, and it was different for me because I was a teenager at the time, so it's it's different. And not a grisly old middle-aged <laughs> fella who's now just relying on somebody else to, <laughs> to provide some joy <laughs> in my life. <laughs> um, but Robbie was doing it in the championship with Wolves. Yeah, this fella's is doing it in the Premier League with a team that's. Bobbling around the top six or top eight now, so like, we're, we're, we're like we're talking about a potential superstar here, and we're, we're, we all the things you hear about him, the, his personality, off the field stuff on the field. The, I haven't heard one little off the record or, or quiet yeah. word that there's a concern in any area with this fella.
1: Apparently, when he arrived in camp, he got a big. Welcome from his teammates, as you'd probably imagine. But then quickly was whisked off to go and get a scan, which showed that he was gone for the couple of games. I, I, thi- I have a feeling I know ho- what way you might answer this, but does th- his loss have a major impact on the rest of the players? A psychological impact on them, or do they just get on with it? Well, well, I think
5: the, the answer is yet yeah, they'll get on with it. They're all used to having injury announcements to teammates, and it's happened so early in the process. It's not like, um. Finding out the morning of a game, you know, and your, your week's preparations out the window. So there's plenty of time to get just to prepare and to get on with it, but it, it is a blow. Like th- those players, wh- whatever the public statements are, and I know coaches will, and Stephen Kenny has said this, you know, it's someone else's opportunity, but like we are who we are. We are on the back of the run, results, run of results we have and the recent performances, the table looks the way it does, and we're going to probably the toughest place you can go to in European football. And we're without a couple of others, Coleman and Doherty. There's a few other injuries in the forward area, and now the main man is gone. I know he's only there a few games. He's only got a couple, but he's now the status of mm-hmm. the main man. If you're looking at a team and go, we've a, we've a chance of doing something, in the first paragraph of your pitch as to why we're doing it, Evans' name is there, and um, which is remarkable in itself for someone so young and so relatively inexperienced at this level. But what he's doing at club compared to what everyone else in the squad is doing at their club. He's he's deserved. He's earned that status already. Ken,
1: does this change the realistic aspirations over these two games? Because, you know, like Benet said earlier on in the week, we need to get four points to have control of our destiny. Three points, we're back in it, but we're not in control. We want to be in control. Four points already seemed incredibly optimistic, and it's surely pie in the sky now.
3: Well, four, four points would be like the greatest international... Um, window ever double header we've we've ever played, yeah, <laughs> no we we would go and uh, not lose to france. i'm I'm saying the most likely, yes, you know the the slightly more likely of the two um vanishingly unlikely situations and then beat uh, the Netherlands. That's not like the Netherlands are an amazing team, you know they're not they're not as good as France. um they've had a few issues. I saw and you know, Coeman hasn't had a hasn't had a great start. Obviously, they took a real heavy beating off France, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in their game against Greece. There was some kind of Kuman was, was criticizing Ryan Gravenberg who wouldn't have been in this squad anyway, but apparently he can go to the under twenty ones because he wants to get settled in at Liverpool or something. So there's a bit of you know, it's not like everything's going great for them. Um it's not totally inconceivable that Ireland could beat them, but it's pretty unlikely. I mean, the likely outcome is zero points. Yeah, that's that's the that's the most likely. Um, that is that's the most likely outcome for these two two matches. I mean, if I look at our, our our games that we've played in the last couple of years, I mean, every time we play someone who's who's you know looks like they you know are are strong or stronger than us, we lose. You know, we beat Gibraltar, um, we've beaten Latvia, and we've beaten Armenia, and we've beaten Malta. There are there are wins. Two of those are in two of those are in friendlies but we've lost to Scotland we've lost to Norway and friend we've lost to France we've lost to Greece you know so um like the the France game i've i've already written off that anything other than zero points is is a, is a huge uh, result for us there uh, and then against the netherlands i mean obviously we would need to win to have a, a tiny chance still kept alive in the group depending on other results and so on and so forth um but i'm not expecting it so um yeah, I mean one
5: point in other words would be a bit of an outcome Richie I think it's always interesting to hear from players but I think it, th- there's a there's a danger that we're reading too much into what Benny says I he has to say something along the lines of what he said he he, he can't be as downbeat as maybe we are in this room um and, and maybe I'll describe. Not downbeat, maybe realistic. I mean, we're, we're being really realistic here. Ken just called it out there. The runner results we've had, we know the absentees of injuries, we know the position the coach is in, and we know the quality of the opposition. So there, there's no really common sense argument you could put forward to say that those four points are gettable and here's why. But he's got to say that because he can't come out and, 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 and say opposite because those would be the words that would be thrown at Stephen Kenny in the next press conference. Even your own players don't believe in you, Stephen. Mm-hmm. What do you say back to that player? So, on and, and the one hand, yeah, it's interesting to hear from them. But we're at a point now where they have to say along the lines of what Benny said. And we can just take it with a pinch of salt because I don't I don't, I don't think anybody with an understanding of football could, could look at what's ahead in the next week and say at the end of it will be in a position of control in the group on the back of getting four points Stephen Kenny's words were interesting Mm.
1: a few days ago he said I'm not happy with the Greece performance at all I was disappointed when I looked the preface to this I should say is that he said in all the other recent games he has seen his, his stamp on the team and he can stand over the performances and so on even though they weren't all brilliant results but he says in this case I'm not happy with Greece at all he called it an outlier I was disappointed when I looked at it I didn't see myself as a coach in the team which is a pretty damning indictment of himself fairness he's not afraid to big himself up as we've seen a lot over the years but it's a bit concerning that with all the prep time we had for that that he wasn't able to make his mark on the team and as long as he's been we don't want to necessarily rehash Greece's performance in any great detail but it's just another another downer coming into these games
5: is is that a criticism of the players is it I didn't see myself as a coach in the team does that mean the players didn't follow my instructions the players didn't he the Prep that we gave them. I, yeah. I I was missing from that performance, as in all the work I did. He did
1: I say. See he, it. he did say I'm responsible for that as manager. Okay. Having said that, although we didn't play well, we could still have easily drawn the game. It's just a, I was just trying to find the rest yeah. of that quote for you there.
3: Yeah, no, I, I mean I I agree um, what your opinion of it. Like that. Like I don't know whether he intended to criticize himself, but that does sound critical pretty of himself. Damning of because himself. you know if you, if you're sort of saying oh I wasn't there, I mean it, you could hear it as well. I was the missing ingredient, you know. If the players had thought to include my influence, then you know we would have got a much better result, which would obviously not be not sound great from the players' point of view. But you know, if you're talking about like a manager who three years in faces, uh, you know, almost three years into his his time, and this is like the fourth, uh, the fourth tournament effectively that Ireland, a the a fourth different tournament, and actually kind of four and a half because we were involved in that playoff against Slovakia, right? That was that was for a different tournament. So you've had. This is the second full qualifying campaign that he's had. We've had two Nations League campaigns and then we had that playoff that 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 he had right at the beginning. Um and in each of them we've we've gone bang bang, like lost two games really early and kind of sunk without trace, you know? And this Greece game was such a huge game because it's like right, you know. Th- we were unlucky to be drawn in a group with like top you know among the world's best teams in France and and to a lesser extent the Netherlands but you know Greece are a team that we should be measuring our progress against and they just absolutely wrecked us you know and if he's and if he's saying I didn't see myself as a coach in the team uh, after all that preparation you know three years in and and all the time that they spent in Turkey training and acclimatizing and all that then that is you know whether he intended it to be or not damning of himself his own influence it's like well okay well, well why not like i mean how, how long do you think you need to s- sort yeah. of stamp your influence on this team if it's, if it's not going to happen then like can we really ever expect it's going to happen
5: one of the other things he said i think in that same interview and um, he said you know we're just one big victory away from the table looking very differently Well that's true that is true but it, it reminds me of a scenario if you think of a I hope this doesn't sound overly harsh you know like a, say a gambler who's down on his luck and he's really you know the, the, the losses are high and, and, and he hasn't felt any joy in ages and you, you tell yourself on just one hand one big bet there's one, a hint of desperation one big it. accumulator it's both true but it's kind of desperate and it's kind of out of kilt with reality because you think there's, there's the hope or the promise or the illusion that one thing is needed to happen for the whole big picture to change and and I think that's not a reflection of where we're at. Yeah. The, the results have been so consistently downbeat for a while. The performances, it's hard to pick out any memorable ones. And we're all coming into this double header. Opposition is really, really good. But uh, but I can't remember going into a double header of big games with an Ireland team where confidence is almost absent. Like it's low and there'll be some supporters will think you just never know. And as Ken said, the Netherlands game is... You could you could see us possibly, possibly, possibly doing something, but the, the confidence is, is so low and almost absence. It's not quite like Italy in the Six Nations territory where you're going to one of the teams hoping to win it and you just know you're basically showing up and you'll have moments which will go well. You might have a spell in the game which you're pleased with, but ultimately the result is kind of a foregone conclusion. And we're not far off that.
3: Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to sixty percent off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com/acast. That's burrow.com/acast. burrow.com/acast. It's a beautiful summer's day. The breeze is stupendous. Stupendous. Stupendous.
4: Would this podcast be even more stupendous without ads? Without ads? Ads. If so, then join us for daily commercial-free shows at secondcaptains.com for just five euro a month. I don't know what you're talking about.
3: I'm not bumping them up. I'm not Irish. I'm just saying my observations, they are amazing. Stupendous. Stupendous. Stupendous.
1: Stupendous. Okay, so our football team have it all to do in Paris. To use that great euphemism. That is one way of describing it. But we can carry far more hope into the Rugby World Cup campaign, which starts with a bang on Friday night with France versus New Zealand. One of those teams will likely be our opponents if we make it through our group. We're obviously starting against Romania on Saturday. The thoughts now, of Shane Horgan, our friend in New Zealand, Scotty Stevenson, who is in fine fettle in our chat. And first, Andrew Trimble. I think,
6: uh, I think Ireland would probably prefer to play New Zealand. That could all change on, on, on how the form goes in the first game. Um, and I would be really interested to hear... Um, Scotty's thoughts on this and I I suppose like it's just really interesting to hear other um, other teams what are the public saying who would they rather play because I know again from Chattanooga South Africa and last at the weekend their big thing was we would rather play France I'm going are you mad that you'd rather play France if they're thriving and flying and everything that whole buzz but I know they would rather play France because they've got baggage with um, uh, with New Zealand we have baggage with both France and New Zealand so it's slightly it's easier for us um, we've got bags with everyone. We've got bags with Argentina. <laughs> has anyone,
2: by the way, have has anyone in sort of in the Irish rugby, you know, family, as it, as as it were, ever uttered the words "I'd prefer to play New yeah.
4: Zealand"? Hold on a second. We actually do have a Kiwi on here, and he's recording this, <laughs> so we should like we should bring you in here, Scotty. Like the, the idea that uh, that Irish people are sitting around uh, here saying, you know, I'd prefer New Zealand. I mean, Joe Schmidt is listening. Yeah, i I'm, I'm. I'm not. I don't think I'm. I'm up for that. Even though you know, and obviously you've mentioned the the Twickenham disaster over the last. It seems to me like you're sanguine enough about thirty five seven, uh, like a record defeat to the Springboks. Like it does. Is that kind of the reaction in New Zealand? Is like, okay, listen, what happened happened, but we're New Zealand.
0: Yeah, look, I'm um, half a bottle of Jamison's down, so while we're in this <laughs> Irish celebration, let me take another sip because I never thought I'd hear that sentence uttered <laughs> in my life. In rugby. <laughs> um, Ireland deserve the right to think that way, uh, quite frankly. They they really do. And um, look, look, I, I know that a lot of Irish people want to read a lot of what I write or, or have listened to my commentary on the game, but uh, I've long said New Zealand... When, when Joe Schmidt went to Ireland, New Zealand started worrying about the Northern Hemisphere. Um, New Zealand never worried about other teams for a very long time. In fact, it was the strength of the game in New Zealand that we were the innovators of the game. I, I use the word we as as the country, not yep. the All Blacks. So I never use that word um, with that team. But, but we as a rugby nation were the innovators, and that, and that flowed up to the top, and the All Blacks were regarded as the most innovative team in the game for a very, very long time. Something changed. I was in Chicago when Ireland had that breakthrough victory. Something changed that day. Something changed in the way we saw the game and saw the threats. And New Zealand rugby, the organisation, became obsessed with the Northern Hemisphere, with being reactive instead of taking the lead. Um, So, you know, when you say Ireland would rather play New Zealand, I think Ireland rugby deserves, deserves the right to be able to say that because they put New Zealand rugby on the back foot more than any other nation over the last, you know, 10 years. Ireland have done that. And through the coaching of Schmidt and Latterley of, of Andy Farrell, you know, it has still continued. When New Zealand have looked for coaches, they have looked for coaches with Northern Hemisphere experience. When they've looked for forwards coaches, they've looked for coaches who have got Northern Hemisphere experience. Greg Feek, a prime example with the current All Blacks setup. Um, you know, so Ireland have been the the boogeyman under the bed for the All Blacks since that Chicago victory. Well, um, you still yeah.
4: you still kicked the crap out of us in the World Cup quarterfinal four years ago, though. Yeah, you yeah.
0: know, and that, and and that's very true. And I, and I was going to make the point where you know you you use the word scar tissue in your email to me, Simon. And look, I, I uh, Simon used the word scar tissue in his email to me, Murph, And um, maybe there is a little bit of scar tissue, but but as the boys mentioned earlier on in this chat. Uh, that comes down to World Cup history, and and I stand by my assessment of this Irish squad. I think the experience is cumulative, um, the the ability to withstand campaign rugby is cumulative, and, and this Irish team's in a good place. Uh, if New Zealand had the choice, uh, who would they rather play in a quarterfinal? I guarantee they'd say Ireland. I mm. guarantee, mm. and so we we reach this quite this moment of irony. where both. <laughs> Both sides would prefer to play each other in that first knockout game of Rugby World Cup. What a a crazy and weird (laughs) and wonderful place to find ourselves.
7: Can we move on to our group, uh, Shane, and the fact that we have South Africa, obviously Scotland, Tonga, and you mentioned sort of the way the group goes. You don't like the cadence of it. We've been getting a lot of emails this week that sort of talk about us winning a World Cup or whether or not we'll win a World Cup. And then you just boil it back to this group and the reality of just getting out of it is is the biggest challenge we've had in a group, I think, since you guys in 07 when Argentina and France were in it. And that this actually could come down to points difference. Like We, we look at this Romania game as a, as a nothing game, which it is in one way, but Ireland, Scotland and South Africa could easily win one game each. Tonga could easily take one or four-star Scotland. I can't for some reason see them beating South Africa, but there's lots that can go on in this World Cup or in this group and points difference could be an issue. And this talk of us like gaming at the group and maybe playing a second team against South Africa, it's all nonsense. like get out of the group and then think about France and New Zealand.
2: Well, I don't think listen the idea of of um, putting a second team against South Africa is is ridiculous, and it's not something that would be sort of contemplated. Nor should it be contemplated. Um, things get a little bit trickier <laughs> to start the competition on, on how to approach those those first games. I don't think you want to get overly obsessed with with points difference, but it may very easily be a factor. I don't think. I think you know Tonga probably have a. You know, they they have a a role to play in this pool if that isn't too condescending. But I don't think that they'll be, you know, I I think Ireland will beat them. And if Ireland don't beat them, you know, we're going to be sitting in here having a very, very different conversation. It's going to, you know, catastrophic World Cup. Um, And I don't think, I think, you know, Scotland will beat them as well. Now, what becomes interesting is sort of point difference. With those those three teams, um, Scotland, South Africa, and uh, and Ireland. So listen, we you know how how we kind of envisaged, or how you know traditionally you would see this game um, um, playing out is that you know um, you know both Ireland and and South Africa beat Scotland, and then you know whoever w- we, you know wins that game um, between the two goes out to the top, but you know that is a very sort of you know straightforward simplistic way of looking at it and you know as i said at the top of the show scotland could not be in a better position uh, than they are going into this world cup you know and we also know the type of team that scotland are they need that um sort of uh, lead in and i know uh, trim said the leading games mean warm up games mean nothing generally they don't but actually if you have a disaster they do mean something and remember Ireland versus England four years ago it kind of that was Ireland gone uh, the same with us in, in 2007 Bayon and, and the game against Italy was kind of was almost over before we before we started and um, and I would say of all the other sort of teams Scotland are the ones that were are most bought, buoyed by you know what was is not not, a, not a, certainly not perfect but a very you know um, successful uh, lead in and you know my concerns about this group, um, particularly, are the okay. way Scotland play can have you know r- real success against both sides. You know if you look at the way South Africa defend and their massive up and in. Um, that, won't, that won't scare Scotland in the way it scares many teams because Scotland As in, say that, Sorry, South sorry. Africa
7: just to simplify it put pressure on the path and say if you can get it out wide yeah. so be it but we're going to put so much pressure on your skills That's it. that we hope that'll work and we, whereas Finn Russell is like yeah, come yes, we'll bring please.
2: it on because the yeah. way he's, Finn, Finn Russell is a scanner so he's actually not looking at the guy he's running at him he's looking at the guy two zones out and where he is and he has the passing range best passing range of of any 10 in the world so um that sort of means that Scotland have a genuine opportunity to beat South Africa. Of course, there is, an, there is potential for South Africa to steamroll Scotland if they don't actually get into it, you know, that they can actually just dominate them and, and then it doesn't really, there's not a conversation about what Finn Russell can do. But I don't see that happening in this entirety. And then you think Ireland versus Scotland and you look at, cast your mind back to that game in Murrayfield in the Six Nations. Now, I'm not saying that we were lucky to win the game, but we nearly lost it. We could easily have lost it. And in that first half, towards the end of the first half, we were all over the place. And we were all over the place again in our own 22. And that is because nobody traditionally attacks wide in the opposition 22, because you can't get out there. The pressure's too much. You won't be able to pick the pass, be intercepted, all those things. It's what Scotland do. So what you've got is um, brilliant uh, styles of play that potentially um, sort of um, uh, compromise each other which means it's very very difficult to call the results in these these, uh, against these three teams
7: Andrew do you get worried if Scotland win this game the South Africa game
6: oh yeah yeah it just yeah it does it disrupts everything now, now Scotland they've they've flexed their muscles plenty of times over the last number of years and they've always disappointed they've always done done well a couple of big games against England and they've always they've always mucked it up I think they could pick up one win uh, in between their two games against South Africa and Ireland Mm -hmm. I don't think they can pick up two wins one is enough I don't think one's enough yeah but if I mean uh, then that says if they beat South Africa then we'll definitely beat them (laughs) we should be be grand now (laughs) one other point I would make though I think um I I love watching Scotland play. I love the style of rugby they play. I love the confidence that Finn Russell puts in his outside backs and he just wings the ball, puts the ball into their hands. As I was going to say, puts the ball into their hands early, but it's a long passing game and that is exactly the opportunity that an aggressive South African defence will just take that. That's an invite to Cannon Moody, um, to Mapimpi, to these guys. They're going to go, they're going to get man and ball. If they tip it on, um, South Africa are so, so good. And we saw an extreme version of this against the All Blacks. They gamble. They put themselves in passing channels. They Even if they don't quite make it, they gamble and then they scramble. And the guys on the inside, they just corner flag. And even if you feel like you've outsmarted them, you've got to the edge, you've tipped on two incredible worldy passes. They still hunt you down. They go after you in the corner. They get back and then they come off the line again. And you have to gamble and attack and You basically have to execute time and time again to break down this South African defence. And I think that's really difficult because of the long passing that Finn Russell, as you say, Shaggy, it can be all or nothing. And it will be all or nothing. You could see them um, capitalising on this, but you can also see them getting hammered by South Africa if they're on the wrong end of some of those defensive reads. I think Ireland's attack, if it's correct, and to the point I made earlier on, Ireland haven't got anywhere near the same sort of skill execution and crisp passing and ability to find holes that they did against France and the Six Nations, the last time we saw this, if Ireland can create those sorts of opportunities and execute, it's the short passing game. That's how you break down South African defence because you make them combat guys and then you tip on or you come um, at little circle passes with guys kind of hidden, looking after each other, playing sensible, tip on, crisp passes. That's how you break it down. I think Ireland, if they ex- execute, they're far more likely to get a bit of joy against South Africa than Scotland, in my opinion.
4: Uh- yeah, and we'll be, you know, the Ireland South Africa games. It still feels like an awful long way away, but we so we'll have plenty of chat in the run up to that. But Scotty, England, Argentina. Sir,
0: I, I'm just still reeling here. We we started off with Ireland. Uh, uh favourites to win the World Cup. And over the last 40 minutes, I swear to God, I'm more depressed about Ireland than anyone else on this podcast. (laughs) You are the most unique species of people on the planet. You've gone into this World Cup in the greatest form in the existence of the game in Ireland, and you're finding reasons why you won't win games. You've got to come come to the party here, man. It's called expectation
4: management, Scotty. And uh, it's gone terribly... it's gone terribly for literally 40 years. So we're, we're trying our best here.
2: Murph, one thing that we haven't spoken about, and I think it's going to be impactful in this tournament like um, no other, is um, red cards, yellow cards, and bunker. And what's going to happen is we can analyse two teams directly against each other, and we can even see how their form is through the competition. But someone makes a rash decision or a a, a hit slips up on the head and it's a red card or maybe it's a red card with a ban for a couple of matches and that changes the whole dynamic of the way teams play and if that happens, there is a huge number of teams that can beat each other in
7: in this tournament. And and you know who's got the best discipline in the world over the last two, three years? Ireland? Ireland.
1: Searing statistical analysis from Simon Statman Hick there at the end. (laughs) Scotty Stevenson was less about the numbers; he was more bringing the vibes to that conversation. Yeah,
4: (laughs) he was. Uh, But what a vibe he brought! He really did. Yeah, no, he was. Um, I started that on by saying that Opta had run ten million version iterations of the Rugby World Cup through a a supercomputer, and the numbers were duly crunched, and Ireland were deemed to be the most likely winners. Yeah, with something like
1: up. a 20.7% chance, which was 0.1% chance more than, say, France, which is 0.1% chance more than South Africa. and point So it's all pretty tight. Super it's the top. <laughs> computer. Oh, uh, super computer. Okay, fair point. Super computer. It's a really good chat. We talked about Ireland's chances, obviously, but also so many great games on opening weekend. France against New Zealand. As it's ridiculous. England, Argentina. Wales against Fiji. Scotland at Africa. Yes, Scotland South Africa. I think leads tr- almost directly into Ireland against the Netherlands at the Viva yes. Stadium. So that's a nice Saturday yep. afternoon view. there's a lot. You're not going to be able to watch everything, I don't think. But no, you can certainly listen to all of our coverage on the Second Captains Podcast. Look, there's no minimum contract, so you know why not sign up? If you're if you're backing Ireland to go far in the World Cup, sign up now. See how we're doing at the end of September. And maybe and take it from there. Your continued subscription from that point. We've also got a post-match France versus Ireland football podcast. Who knows what might happen in that fixture on Thursday night? You can Fair sign up idea, now.
4: But who knows? Uh, <laughs> well, this be the fault of the maybe it'll be um, folded to Mbappe. I mean, no one expected John Johnny Giles to dawdle in possession twenty years. He from his didn't dawdle.
1: John Giles was quick to point out in a McGill well, interview around that a, time that was he did French not dawdle. He was put under. Listen, he didn't throw his teammates under the bus either. It just wasn't fault to Giles, according to Giles, Giles. if you were to you know, contextualise the whole thing correctly. Sign up now at secondcaptains.com. The cost is only €5 euro a week, plus a little bit of that.
4: €5 euro a month? €5 euro a month! What am I talking about? €5 euro a week could be a great deal, but that's, that's not the deal we're offering. No, it's five, an even better... It's, €5
1: euro a month! In fact, it's a four, four times, times a better deal than give that. Give or take, yes. Yeah, would it would be even better again, yeah. So it depends where in the world you're living in a little bit of that there but either way Murph, it's as you say outstanding value you also won't hear any ads if you listen to the version of the podcast that our members get and there is no minimum contract beyond the first month have I said that already Well, I I'm think, bloody saying it why again why don't you have a nice tall glass of shut up juice fair <laughs> Conan that's fair I, I that have been right. rambling a little Kurt. the second captain's podcast is part of the the Acast creator, creator network Own
5: my friend that might be you know aiming for utopia and it might mean being a little bit stupid but that is the way I am
1: that reminds me.
4: Yeah, do Oof. actually. Own you. you might as well say it. I mean, we thought it was over, but it ain't over. Listen, this. I'm going to just keep on promoting. Our yeah, Simon's going to fade you out eventually. But, yeah,
1: I yeah, know. I'll probably fade it out by this stage. Radi- our final radio show of the series this summer on Second Captain Saturday is happening this Saturday, one o'clock, RT Radio 1, with... The great actor Michael Sheen, who plays Brian Clough in The Damned United, was also a damn fine footballer in his youth, by all accounts. And there are a lot more sporting bona fides there for Michael Sheen that we'll be getting into. So that's on radio, or Radio 1 on Saturday at 1 o'clock, or you can podcast that wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, that's a lot of promoting I've been doing. Might as well just let you get on with your business. Take care.
2: Second
7: time it's gone on.
2: Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, Those never those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade that there's a world outside of that. That's why sport's
6: important.